to breathe on us because somebody's struggling this morning. Somebody, God's got a decision to make and they need a word for their journey. Somebody's been hurt and offended this week and is struggling to forgive this moment. Would you breathe on them afresh? Somebody's got everything going all right, but don't know they're getting ready to go in a storm. They need to be dressed today. So would you speak to us, Father? Open your word this morning. Let it wash our hearts and minds. Forgive us for the unseen things we've done. Regulate our hearts and minds. God, give me preaching power today and preaching permission. For you know I struggle. But if you prop me up, when it's all done and said, they'll look to you and give you the honor and give you the glory. It's in the name that's above every name, Jesus the Christ, that these your servants say amen and amen. While you're standing, while you're standing, 2 Samuel chapter 6, 2 Samuel chapter 6, continuing in our exegetical work there, beginning, beginning at verse 5. Verse 1, chapter 6, verse 1. I want to welcome our visitors to the New Beginnings family today. We don't take your presence lightly. We recognize you could have been in one of over 500 awesome churches in the Fresno metropolitan area. Fresno is the fifth largest city in California. And we've got a great thing going in the kingdom here. We're grateful that you are in our city and you are worshiping with us today. But while you're here, we are an expository teaching and preaching church. That means we walk through every book of the Bible, books and chapters at a time, comma by comma and line by line. So we want to invite you into this study. Some say it's a long service, but I have to take my time in the text. But while you're here, I'm glad you'll give us the minutes. We'll give them back to you. Amen. Amen. Second Samuel 6. Verse 1, again, David gathered all the choice men of Israel, 30,000. And David arose and went with all the people who were with him from Baal Judah to bring up from there the ark of God, whose name is called by the name the Lord of hosts who dwells between the cherubim. So they set the ark of God on a new cart, and they brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill, and Uzzah and Ahil, the sons of Abinadab, drove the new cart. And they brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill, accompanying the ark of God. And a hill went before the ark. Then David and all the house of Israel played music before the Lord on all kinds of instruments, of firwood, on harps, on string instruments, 
on tambourines, on sistrums, and on cymbals. And when they came to Nacon's threshing floor, Uzzah put out his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it. For the oxen stumbled. And then the anger of the Lord was aroused against Uzzah. And God struck him there for his error. And he died there by the ark of God. And David became angry because of the Lord's outbreak against Uzzah. And he called the name of that place Perez Uzzah until this day. David was afraid of the Lord on that day. And he said, how can the ark of the Lord come to me? So David would not move the ark of the Lord with him into the city of David. But rather he took it aside into the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. And the ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, for three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all of his household. Now when it was told, David saying, the Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him because of the ark of God. And all God's people said, amen. amen. I want to tag this message, keep your hands off of God's stuff. Keep your hands off of God's stuff. This is not a, a new sermon, but it just came up in the preaching. We're in 2 Samuel chapter 6. It's an old bat, but I got some new grips on it. You'll catch that on the way home. Every now and then, new beginnings in Bible reading, we come across those passages where the anger of the Lord surprises the reader. I think that sometimes as believers, we can take for granted his presence. And we forget just who it is that we are worshiping. And who it is who has accompanied us on the journey through life. Even when doing what pleases him and doing what we know he would require, we can sometimes as a church become over familiar with God and get too casual with the things of God. Today we see Israel in the center of God's will. They're doing the right thing, here it is, but they're doing it the wrong way. In order to get the country's attention, God's got to kill a man so that all men would learn not to get over familiar with his presence, his commands, his words, and his initiatives. Keeping your hands off of God's stuff will help you with your own personal carnality and the overwhelming desire to think you can do whatever you want to do with God's stuff. I'm going to need your help through here. This text reminds me, sons and daughters of the living God, to be careful how I handle the things of God. 
and to be sure and follow his every instruction on this journey as God lives with, ministers to the saints of the living God. Friend in my library sharing some thoughts about this text says, while on one hand it was noble on David's part to bring the ark from Judah back to Jerusalem, it was a good idea, but it was possible he did it having zeal without knowledge. And he did a good work in the wrong way. So to begin with, to begin with, we learned last week that everything David did, he consulted God. But not this time. The text says he called his colleagues together. And he consulted with the political leaders. And it appears that his main motive wasn't to worship God or honor God. It was to unify the nation. See that how the devil just tweaks it just a little bit. Takes something good and puts it in place for something that's better. So I got three pieces of evidence as your lawyer this morning. I came to argue my case. Number one, I like to argue for the text that you need to pay attention this morning to Israel's position. Secondly, you need to pay attention to Israel's possession. And third of all, you need to pay attention to Israel's problem. Let's unpack it. Israel's position. Verse 1, the text says, And again, David gathered all the choice men of Israel, 30,000. And David arose, and he went with all the people who were with him from Baal, Judah, to bring up from there the ark of God, whose name is called by the name the Lord of hosts, who dwells between the cherubim. Family, when we arrive at this portion of the text, in our textual background, we can, we can discern that it's a new day for Israel. What do you mean, Pastor? Saul is dead. David is the new king. And they finally have peace from their surrounding enemies. The southern tribe of Israel and the northern tribes have come back together again. And now there's peace among God's people. And it's a good thing when the people of God can get along with each other. It's a good thing when the people of God are on one accord. It's a good thing when God's saints love each other and are committed to worshiping Yahweh together. But in verses 1 and 2, we see a serious spiritual mistake happen. As I mentioned, David forgot who was really in charge. As a king, yes, he was in charge, but he wasn't in charge. Catch that on the way home. And he decided to take business in his own hands. Instead of consulting God for what he should do, he decided to do it in a new manner. Can I say some more? The text teaches us in 1 Samuel 
chapter 4, that the reason why the ark was in Judah is because when Saul lost the battle with the Philistines, they took the ark unto themselves. Come on, go back with me about a year or so. Y'all remember me preaching this. And they captured the ark, and the ark inside of their own country began to uh, destroy everything that the Philistines had. The Philistines recognized that Yahweh was more powerful than Dagon. And so they tried to get rid of the ark. The ark ended up coming back across the border and landing in the southern parts of Judah. Now, it stayed there because Saul had lost his vision for the things of God. Y'all catch that right there? So it takes a new king to come in with a vision of God to want to replace worship back in the heart of God's people. That's where our text is today. David wants to bring the ark back. Now, somebody may be here saying, Pastor, what is the ark? I'm glad you asked. The ark was given to Moses to build in the time when the children of Israel were wandering through the wilderness. It was said to be a, a box about the size of a coffin. And it was constructed of what was called as acacia wood. And over the wood was laid gold, a gold slab. And on top of the slab, they had two golden angels that were a picture of cherubims. And one stood on one end of the coffin and on the other, and they looked with their heads facing each other and their wings over their head. That was called the mercy seat. It was supposed to be a picture of the throne of God. It was the place where Yahweh would forgive of their sins. And he granted atonement every time the high priest offered sacrifice on behalf of the children of Israel. Are you in here now? But not only was that in the ark, inside of the ark, there was two tablets that were called the Ten Commandments. It was a picture of the old covenant and the word of God that God wanted the children to remember. Also inside of the ark, there was a cane, a long stick. It was the budding cane that gave evidence that Aaron was the priest set apart by God to minister to the children of God. Also in the ark was a bowl of manna. It was the picture of how God fed the children as they walked through the wilderness those 40 years. This ark was important because whenever the people worshiped, the ark represented the presence of God and all that God had done for them. Are you in here now? So when David decides they need the ark, he decides for three reasons. Number one, it's good for worship. But number two, the ark would go before them in battle. That was the worshipers, the priests were supposed to carry it. In the, in the war, and then the fighters came behind them. It was a sign of God fighting for them. And now thirdly, it was used as they traveled. Joshua used it when he had to cross the dangerous Jordan River. In other words, the ark was at the center of worship in the Israelite community. So when God, yeah, comes back into the center and the place of Israel, David recognizes that the people are going to be all right. 
But the problem was he didn't consult God on how to move the ark from one location to the other. Tell somebody, if you don't know, you better ask God. This text has got to do with worship. Are y'all in here? Where my worshipers at? Today I want to preach to you how to worship right. I believe a lot of what we do in worship ain't biblical. And it can become offensive to God. Are you willing here? Now let me get to point number two. That was Israel's, that was Israel's pos position. Let me look at Israel's possession. The text says in verse 3, walk with me here. So they set the ark of God, watch this now, on a new cart. And they brought it out of the house of Abinadab, who lived on the hill. And Uzzah and Ahil, the sons of Abinadab, they drove the new cart. And they brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill, accompanying the ark of God. Watch this. And the hill went before the ark. Then David and all the house of Israel played music. See the worship? And all kind of instruments. The orchestra was out. The fir woods, the harps, on the string instruments, on the tambourines, on the sistrums, the drums, the bongos, the, all of that, the cymbals. When you come to this portion of the text, it's clear that the king picks the date and the time that all Israel is to process together to get the ark. The people fall into formation except it is no longer the formation that God told Moses to use in the Old Covenant. Stay in here. Nevertheless, everybody, ignorantly following, come to be a part of this experience. Now, this is just not a small experience. This is a national movement. You've got 30,000 leaders. And the king of Israel. This is big movement. The media is there. The army is there. The national orchestra is there. You know David was a musician, so he didn't get no shade tree drummers. Come on, talk to me. He had the best of the best. The king is in the procession. And they go from Jerusalem to southern Judah as one body to worship God. Look at this. The king is so enamored that he's involved with leading the procession. Stay with me. The people are following his lead in the new kingdom initiative. But the most horrifying thing, Reverend Tate, out of all of these things, it was done to honor God, but it was done out of order. In other words, they were worshiping in an over-familiar way. Here it is. Wendell, they've been out of his presence so long, 20 years the ark was down there, they've forgotten what they could do and what they couldn't do. 
in the house of God. Help me, Holy Ghost, to preach it all in here. Number one, they were right for bringing the ark up from Judah back to Jerusalem. But they were wrong for how they brought it up and who brought it up. The king was right to participate in the worship experience, but he was wrong for trying to lead it. This was the job of the priest. Here I come. The ark was only to be handled by the priest. Watch this now. The text says they put it on a new cart. The problem here is that the ark wasn't supposed to be on a cart. According to the law, it was supposed to be carried by poles. When the ark came from Philistia to Jerusalem, the, the pagans, yes, put Yahweh's cart on a cart. And it came into Judah. When Abinadab, who was a Levite, and his son Ahio and Uzzah got the cart in their house, they left it on the cart. Here it is. They put God on the same level as Dagon. So when David comes down to take the ark back to Jerusalem, somebody should have told him, man, you better get God off the level with other gods. They thought they did something by bringing a new car. Because they considered the culture changing, they figured they could deliver God to the people in a way that the culture would relate to it. Can I tell you, God ain't concerned about the culture relating to him. God transcends culture. Quit trying to put your gospel in a way the culture can understand it. Where you get that at? Can I say some more? Let me, can I just waddle in the text? Not only was the ark supposed to be carried by poles, but it was intended to be carried by chosen men. Men to handle it who were not over familiar with the ark. What do you mean? Usa and the hill had the ark in their house for 20 years. It's in the living room. There it is. 20 years. They walked by it. Looked at it. Talked to it. It was there. It became a part of who they were. So when it came time to move it, they were familiar with it, but they had become over-familiar with it. They thought they could do with it whatever they wanted to do with it. Are y'all in here now? And so Abinadab, who was a Levite, had just had the ark in the house. The Levites were to watch over the, the, the table decorations in the tent of meeting, but they were never to touch the stuff. The priests had to move it. 
David, when he comes down, does not reinstitute what God had already said. So he just let Abinadab do what Abinadab thought he should do in the movement. And Abinadab got two of his sons who would have been descendants of the Levite. None of them were ordained by God to move that ark. But he thought because he'd been with him so long. He could do the worship the way he wanted to do it. Come on, help me in here, somebody. Can I open this some more? The Bible says that a hill, yes, was in front of the ark. And Abinadab was driving the ark. Y'all see the picture now? They unqualified. David is dancing and leading. He's out of place. Abinadab's out of place. The sons are out of place. They got the best musicians, but they all out of place. Can I tell you it's possible to have young leadership, have good music, and your worship be out of place? Can I tell you it's possible to have the best king, to have the best thing going in the city? And it be out of place. See, the thing about worship is everybody's got a lane. Stay in your lane. Y'all in here now? I've talked to you about Israel's position. Israel's possession. Now let me give you Israel's problem. And I'm going to spend the rest of my time here. Verse 6, the Bible says, And when they came to Nacon's threshing floor, Uzzah put out his hand to take the ark of God, and he took hold of it. Why did he do that, Pastor? Because the oxen stumbled. And then the Bible says that the anger of the Lord was aroused against Uzzah and struck him there for his error, and he died. In other words, God killed him. In verse 8, David became afraid of the Lord on that day because of the Lord's outbreak against Uzzah, and he named that place Perez Uzzah because God killed a man who messed with his worship. Let me unpack it. When we come to this portion of the text, again, they're right for wanting to return the ark, but they're wrong for how they handle the experience. It's important to know that as they were journeying, yes, they took the ark in places where it should not have been. They had no business taking the ark through the country. They should have kept it in the right way. Are you with me here? But when they tried to take a shortcut, They had to cross the threshing floor. And when they get to the threshing floor, it's a place where wheat was sifted. Where the farmers would beat the wheat and sift the chaff. It it was a rough area. It wasn't a a smooth area. And they messed up, y'all. They got the Ark of the Covenant on a cart, driven by an unhuman, a beast, an ox. And they got the wrong people leading it. Y'all in here now? 
And they take worship in a direction where worship was never supposed to go. If the ark had been carried on poles and been in the paved way, they could have got their worship on. But because you had inexperienced leaders, people who want to take shortcuts with what God said, death enters into the equation. Can I say some more? When you come to this text, the Bible says in verse 6 and 7 that Uzzah and Ahio were driving the ark. This is important. Why? Why? Let me unpack it. Remember I told you names are important in scripture? When you run across names, look them up. Get your Bible dictionary. Because a lot of times the names will tell you about the personality of the person. Uzzah name means one who is strong. It's probably the big brother. And Ahio's name means one who was brotherly. He was the little fella leading the procession. When the ark hits the threshing floor, it wobbles because it's not supposed to be on the cart. Uzzah reaches out his hand to try to catch it from falling. Y'all see the picture? He's doing a good thing. But no man is to touch the ark. Only the priest could lay hands on the ark. Are you with me here? And the Bible said God killed him. Right on the spot. Let me see how I can unpack it for you. Yonder they go through the countryside. Every man has got a tambourine. The bass man. Is doing his thing down the dusty roads through Judea. David is up front playing the string instruments, probably the acoustic guitar. And everybody's got a song that they're singing. They were in our time. He's blessed in the city, he's blessed in the field. We're blessed when we come and when we go. We cast down every stronghold. Sickness and poverty must cease. But the devil is defeated. We are blessed. They singing, but nobody has a clue that they're singing and going in the wrong direction. It's contemporary worship. Are you in here now? And as they walk across the threshing floor, soon as Uzzah, who was in the back of the cart, watch this now. Farmers back then, Brother Anthony, when they were moving the ark, they used golds. It would be a long little stick with a pointed thing on the back. And in order to get the animals to move, you just popped them with the stick. And the pointy thing poked them. Are you in here now? And so as he's driving from the back of the cart, making the ox go, following the instruction of his little brother, the ox goes, but it hits the threshing floor. And when it hits the threshing floor, the cart buckles. Uzzah tries to reach out and catch God. 
Y'all see what I'm saying? You know nobody can't catch God. When he did this, the anger of the Lord killed him on the spot. Now why? Here it is. God killed him because he could have and he should have. God killed him because Usa, stay with me, became self-sufficient. And not totally dependent on God. Come on, Americans, stay in here. God killed him because he thought he could handle the things of God in his own strength. God killed him because he thought he was man enough to handle God. God killed him because he thought he could keep the wrath of God from coming to Israel. God killed him because he thought it was in his power that he could do what no other man could do. I'm chosen to lead this procession. He's got the king and all of Israel watching him. Come on, this is Uzzah's day for ministry. According to the history and the biblical text, as the self-appointed leader by his daddy, he led Israel in the wrong manner. As the self-appointed leader, he handled the ark wrong. As the self-appointed leader, he led the family of God in the wrong way. Come on in here. As a self-appointed leader, he was the wrong leader for the right time. It was a time to return to worship. And it was a time to get the ark back. It was also a time to return to God. It was a time to rediscover his word. But he was not the one ordained by God to lead the procession. It was the job of the priests. It was, it was the right decision, but the wrong leadership structure. So God killed him as an example for all of the country. So that all would learn that you need to keep your hands off of God's stuff. How, how does this relate? Usa, his name meant strong man. But literally what was happening, Reverend Zuniga, he was operating in his flesh. And operating in his flesh, he became over familiar with God. Okay, let me come down your road because I'm losing some of you. Every last person in here has been appointed by God to do something for God in the earth. Do what God has called you to do in the time in which he's appointed you to do it. Don't try to do what he ain't called you to do. And don't let nobody put you in that position. To do what God has called you to do when God ain't called you to do it. I don't care if the king tell you to lead the procession. The king needs to know I ain't the priest. Are you with me here? Let me say some more. Because his flesh was out of control. He wanted some of the glory. He took the assignment. But as a result of that, pride killed him. Pride always comes before the fall. I just dropped something right there. Pride is always an act of disobedience and sin. When you get prideful, I can guarantee you a fall is right around the way. Am I making sense here? 
Uzzah had no business touching the ark. I got too much in here. I can't give it all to you today. He, he, he was not the priest. He had no business doing what he did. And the law of Moses prohibited him from doing it. Yet nobody stopped it. Nobody loved him enough to say, man, what are you doing? That's not your job. That's not your calling. That's not your assignment. Here's the application. It's a terrible thing to mishandle the word of God. Y'all in here? It's a terrible thing to think that you can handle God's stuff any old kind of way. It's a terrible thing to try to strong man God's stuff. You can't strong man his ministry. You can't strong man his gifts. You can't strong man his presence and his will and his missions. Sometimes we can become guilty of being like Uzzah. Thinking that we know what's best for God's people. Thinking that we know God's mission better than God does for the earth. Be careful, believer, about catching the Uzzah spirit. The Uzzah mentality. Where you become casual in your ministry. Casual in your service. Casual in your worship. And become a self-appointed expert on how the things of God should be happening. Here it is. I think we ought to show greater reverence for the ministry of the Lord. We ought to show a little more reverence if God lets you, you lead anything. I think we ought to always check the book first to see if we in order with God first and then proceed in his ministry. Here it is. If God lets you be a parent, you better check the book to find out how to be a parent. If God lets you be a wife, check the book and find out what your role is. And stay in your lane. If God has called you to be a husband. Check the book. And find out how you're supposed to be the priest of your house. And stay in your lane. If God has called you to be a janitor. A dishwasher. A cook. A telephone primer. A nurse. A teacher or a preacher. A homemaker. Whatever he blesses your hand to do. Check the book. And stay in your lane. And don't try to be something in an act of worship that he ain't called you to do. Show a little more reverence to the one who called you and appointed you for the ministry he's put you in. Can I say some more? This ain't in my nose. Quit complaining about the wife you got. You lucky you got one. Quit complaining about the man you got. If you could have did better, you would have did better. Quit complaining about the pastor you got. You want another one? Pray. Ask the Lord. He'll give you one. Sometimes I feel like I got too many anyway. Can I say some more? Quit complaining about the job you got. You lucky to even have a job. Am I talking to somebody? We got a bunch of whiners and complainers. Ain't satisfied with nothing. And as a result, your worship is contemptible before God. You think you can do anything you want in his presence. I stopped by to tell you, you better keep your hands off of
All I'm trying to say is I think we need to show a little bit more reverence for the things God has given you. Can I just unpack that some more? If God bless you to go to college, get your butt in class. If God gave you Christian parents, honor your parents in the Lord. For this is right. Because he could take them from you. Show a little more reverence for the stuff God has done for you. Show a little more appreciation for the man of God he put over you. Show a little more reverence for the saints of God he put you around. Quit treating God's stuff with contemptibility like you don't appreciate it and don't value it. And take his stuff off of your new carts. The carts of the culture. You know, the culture tell you to do your marriage like this. The culture tell you to raise your kids like that. The culture tell you, you know, it don't take all that to worship God. The culture tell you, you can be a little lukewarm and it's all right. Get the stuff God gave you off of those new cars. Culture got you around here as a woman looking like a man. Culture got you around here as a man looking like a woman. With your earrings and your tattoos and your braids. Get your stuff off the new carts. Be the man he called you to be. Come on in here. Come on in here. Culture got you all confused. Got you twisted. Got you rejecting the Lord of heaven and earth. Got you not even taking care of your babies. And you didn't walk to Come on in here. Culture got you divorcing. Culture telling you it's all right to have a man over here and a man over there. You can sleep and it's okay with God. Fool, are you crazy? Get the stuff God gave you off of those new cards. I'm out here now. I just better preach it all. Be careful of having a who's a spirit. Because you got a little reputation. You got a little control over your little puny life. Be careful. Because just like he took oozes from him, he'll take yours from you. And he ain't got to kill you because he's mad. He just kill you because you disrupting his worship. Your life is an act of worship. Everything you do is an act of worship to God. When you show up late to work, that's an act of worship. When you don't treat your queen like the queen she deserves to be treated, that's an act of worship. When you clown your man and disrespect him, that's an act of worship. You better get your crap together. God is watching the procession that takes off from earth to heaven and he's killing oozers along the way. Can I tell somebody, this incident reminds me that even our enthusiasm for God can cause us to forget the holiness of God. Doing what we believe to be God's will in a way that violates God's word is wrong and it displeases God. 
Let's be careful in the house of the Lord when it comes to worship. Quit thinking that anything you do in God's name honors him. Let's be careful when we come into the house of the Lord. Quit being so casual with God. Over familiar with his house, with his stuff, with your ways. Let's be mindful not to put his worship on a new cart. Let's be careful not to handle the word of God and the gifts that he's placed in us and the spirit of God in any old way. God lives in me. I can't take my God to the dope house with me and act like it's cool. I can't be laying down with her and her violating my marriage and think God is down with that. I can't be dragging the dude I slept with in here and propping him up next to me like he a trophy. Fool, are you crazy? This is the house of God. I'd rather you not come. Instead of dishonor him like that. When you dishonor him with your body. You dishonor him with your mind. You dishonor him with your words. And then you talk about, you deserve it. Really? Get God off of the new cards. I got too much in here. Yeah, I do. Y'all want it all? Let's be careful what we think and say in here. This is a holy place. This is a holy time. We're supposed to be a holy people. Set aside to bring him honor, worship, and praise. Let's not get the word or get before the word. There it is. Like Uzzah got before the ark. Let's not get before the will of God like Uzzah and Ahio got before the ark. Let's not get before the work of God. Let's wait on God to establish leadership and direction and order and follow the path in which he has led us on. Well, I got to leave you now. Sorry, I ran y'all visitors off. But the text says in verse 10, David got afraid when God killed Uzzah. And he didn't move the ark anymore. Y'all catch that right there? Church was out. But he took the ark and took it to the house of Obed-Edom. Now when you come to this text, you think, man, David, you afraid of the ark, but you going to give it to somebody else? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what he did. But God used it. What do you mean? Obed-Edom's name meant the servant of Edom. It wasn't anybody that got the ark. It was a servant of the nearest city that got the ark. And the text says 
that God blessed. Y'all hear this now? Obed Edom. Three months. Everybody that worked in his house, everybody in his family got the favor of God because they received the ark with reverence. Y'all in here now? When you receive God with reverence, he'll bless your family. Y'all, you know, he'll bless your descendants. He'll bless your business. He'll bless your stuff when you receive him with reverence. Are you with me here? God didn't choose any house to dwell in. He chose a servant's house. Somebody who would serve others correctly in his presence. Somebody who would act right in his presence. Somebody who wouldn't be over familiar in his presence. And because Obed-Edom was willing to serve God when nobody else was willing to draw near to God, God blessed him. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. Somebody else might try to keep him on a new card. No, you put him high. Lift it up. And if you reverence him, he'll bless your seed. He'll bless your children's children. He'll bless your family. While everybody else is going without his presence. Everybody else is living in a fearful, frightening fear of God. But you live in reverence of God. Am I talking to you here? Obed-Edom, the servant of Edom, received the blessing that David couldn't get. Next week when we come back, we'll find out what it looks like when you get your worship right. Bible says it was after three months. And David heard how Obed-Edom had got blessed by the Lord. Are you in here now? And he came back this time with the right priest. He came back this time. After he spent some time in the word. He came back this time. With a whole new perspective. About worship. What it looks like. I expect next week. If the Lord delay his coming. You to come a little better with your worship. I expect next time. You come ready to worship. I expect next time. You bring him a gift. An offering to the worship experience. I expect next time. For you to praise a little longer. I expect next time for you to wave your hand without being prompted. I expect next time somebody to say hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I expect next week you to be here at 955 and not 1045. Can I say some more? I'm landing this plane. I'm trying to. But Obed-Edom, God bless, because he was a servant of the Lord. And there's always a picture that leads me to Calvary. Y'all catch that? 25 years I've been looking for the road map. How do I get to the cross? Sat back in my office on yesterday. Sister Wilson and I were in the house and I was thinking about Lord, where's my Calvary exit? He said look at that text again. I looked at it again and I saw something when I saw Obed Edom. He was a servant leader who came out of nowhere. A servant leader who had a heart for the things of God. A servant leader was willing to live in the danger zone 
in order for God to be glorified. God needed a house to dwell in. And Obed says, here's my Can I say some more? Jesus is a picture of Obed-Edom. He was willing to come out of nowhere and take on the things of God. In Jesus is everything that's in the ark. In the ark, you had the manna that was the bread of life. They called Jesus the bread of life. In the ark, you had the high priest pole. It was the symbol that Aaron was the high priest. But in Jesus is the fulfillment of all high priests. Y'all in here yet? In the ark was the tablet that was the word of God. We well, already know he's the logos of God. The word that became flesh. Jesus is a picture of the ark. And he's a picture of the ark fulfilled, rolled up in Obed-Edom. Can I say some more? When all of Israel didn't want nothing to do with Jesus, he still wanted to serve God. Yonder he goes, up Golgotha's hill. Stretched high, drop low. The ark of God made flesh. He died. Didn't he die? In order to fulfill prophecy. Got up early. Sunday morning. With all power of heaven and earth in his hand. Right now. In the kingdom of heaven. Sits a man. Who is the fulfillment of the ark of God. Right now. Sits the lamb of God. The word of God. The bread of heaven, the high priest of humanity at the right hand of God. His name is Jesus. And he's still worth worshiping today. Said he still is giving the Father honor, glory, and the praise. Let's all the children say amen. Let's give God some praise. Will you stand with me and bow for a moment of prayer? Jesus, Jesus, Jesus.